This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What's up? Happy Friday. Welcome to the show. It's Shira, Ryan, and Shar here. Woo, woo, woo. In the studio. Yes. I cannot wait for August to be over, I must say. Really? Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of my least favorite months. I like August because I feel like it's August and the holidays are the two times that there's like an excuse, like everyone kind of shuts down and slows down a bit. Even though I'm very busy, but there's, you know, well, it's more still of an excuse. like the summer. Yeah, more of an excuse to Transition leave to the fall. and like it's okay to take yeah. time off. Please, in yeah. LA, the summer, the summer doesn't end until Halloween. We got Which is a, why, a few yeah, more I mean, it's so true. Of 100 plus degree like, weather. But you can't like leaving town as much and People don't off. really have meetings or anything exactly. during this time. And people's like birthday, soon. people who are born in August, I have an, a strong opposition <laughs> to. Sorry <laughs> to August Virgos and August Leos. I, yeah, I don't like August Leos. They are a handful. August Leos are. And August Virgos, you can't trust. Something different though. <laughs> when do because uh, your your parents had you in the winter because during the uh, winter months, right? If you were born in July, I I don't know when my mama and daddy had. Well, sex. you know around because it's you rewind. How I never many thought about that. What's Is July that... minus nine months? Exactly. I don't, I, I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> I do radio. I didn't do. I, I'm not Bill Nye the Science Guy. I'm looking it up. <sighs> Nevertheless, uh, I do. Um, it is, wait, oh God, this I, this is taking more time than I thought. Okay, anyway, well. I see that you have pose, what, is that pose three or four? Four. Oh. Come on, pose four, she has Beyonce merch on. Yeah. I got my box before I went on vacation, but I wasn't able to wear my shirt, Ooh. and I was like, oh, it's Friday, what can I wear? And I looked on over. On a perfect day. Yeah, let me throw on Renaissance t-shirt, which by the way, Beyonce is coming to me like a gross sister from the Proud family. <laughs> I spent every so Friday. Friday. much money. The merch, and we gotta wait 11 weeks for it? I spent so much money much on money? merch. Do you really wanna know? Mm, yeah. Do you really wanna I know? Only sp- I only... I, I spent about $300. I did too! I got multiple things, though, of course. I you got know? shirts, but did you see that she's releasing merch More. that appears for like every song? Yeah, yeah. and oh, that's wow. so annoying. So she just, knows what she is doing. She does. I love her. I'm By gonna buy it. By the way, it. you uh, were born sometime, or made, conceived sometime in October. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting, because like if you were born July 29th, yes, uh, October 29th would be nine months before. But you know, it's not always like right on time. So it was like around then. That's my friend's birthday, October 29th. Oh wow! Isn't that interesting? I wonder if it was you, around you Halloween. Were Halloween. Yep. Yeah. Halloween. Let me find out your mama was celebrating Halloween <laughs> with the dude in a, in a, in a <laughs> way. 
and a church of God in Christ. Okay. Well, oh, that's yeah, so no, funny. It, did, it didn't happen on Halloween. It happened on Hallelujah Night. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, if you know, you know. But go ahead, Shira. <laughs> well, lots coming up. Uh, speaking of moms, a parent's guide to helping LGBTQ uh, youth in their coming out. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of moms. 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. We're having that conversation. And in 30 minutes, the CDC's latest COVID update, making us wonder, uh, is the pandemic officially over? No. That's Spoiler alert. Hey, <laughs> I'm trying to give a, dangle the carrot a bit here. Yeah. All right, let's get into some what's trending this hour. We got uh, some breaking news coming from, well, the Wall Street Journal, but many news outlets. The FBI removed 11 sets of classified documents, including some marked as top secret, as well as information about the president of France, binders of photos, a handwritten note, and an executive grant of clemency for Roger Stone. This came from the Mar-a-Lago FBI raid uh, mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. And here is David Lofman, former chief of the DOJ counterintelligence section. Among the statutes cited is 18 U.S.C. 18 is Title 18, which is the criminal code of the United States. Section 793, which comprises the Espionage Act and includes sections that I used to use to prosecute people who, um, you know, retained unlawfully and disclosed unlawfully uh, classified information, information defined as information relating to the national defense. It's the most sensitive kind of information um, at issue. And that was one of the violations that undergirds this warrant. Well, we'll be talking more about that and the implications of all of this in 15 minutes. Moving on to other news, uh, eight corrections officers of color were barred from guarding Derek Chauvin in May 2020. Now they're receiving almost I wonder why. $1.5 million as a settlement for racial discrimination. Yeah, like what? You they can't were... do that. Yeah, Steve Lynn. Because they don't, they don't bar eight white officers um, yeah. from guarding black or brown oh, that people. that is wild. That's so weird. Uh, Steve Lydon, then superintendent of the Ramsey County Adult Detention Center, issued an order on May 29, 2020, that banned corrections officers of color from entering the fifth floor where Chauvin was being held. The order was rescinded. Can you imagine getting that email? Yeah. Oh, this is getting worse. (laughs) All all I see is dollar signs. Oh, I can't wait. Get my attorney on Mm, this. Go ahead, Sheila. Yeah, several officers after that uh, filed charges of discrimination with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights the following month. That is wild. They got their money. Um, All right, next up. If you were exposed to COVID-19, take three home tests instead of two to make sure you're not infected. True, that's what I did. According to new U.S. recommendations, the new guidance applies to people without symptoms who think they may have been exposed. Because you can take, I literally took one that still had the line. I took another one, had a, uh, didn't have a line, and um, then I took another one that had the line. So yeah. But and you know, you it know, was so wild. It was th- those ones that they sent from the government. Uh huh. Trash. Oh, wow, really? I just ordered more. Wait, what trash. Do you mean the trash? I they use are this. not good. I use those. I swear that I had to go buy the Binex ones. And, I, and my mom we'll see, and my grandmother, they because they, they literally kept giving me like positives on every other like actual test that I would go spend, like the Binex ones, they kept coming out like negative. It was like, it was I, wild. Was like, gov- I did the government one the past two days. Girl, you need to leave. <laughs> What kills me about this is that you are a single person who lives alone. What about families yeah. who can't afford to take three, four COVID right. tests per, per head in the household? Yeah. Makes no sense. 
All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my goodness. It was announced this morning that Anne Heche has passed away. Now, if you're like me, you were introduced to Anne Heche, not through her acting, because she was an actress, but you were introduced to her through her being Ellen's girlfriend. This is late 90s. What? Oh, yeah. yeah you didn't know that? So that's why Ellen was like, like said her condolences. Yes. <gasps> that is how I came to know who Anne Heche was, because they, they looked oh. like sisters. A long relationship. I mean, she looks, she literally looks like uh, the one she's with now. Portia de Rossi. Yeah. So Ellen has a thing for Literally moms. Literally has a time. Ellen did come out with a statement, but this isn't about her right now. Wow. Anne died this morning at the age of 53 following a horrific car crash last week. Now, uh, according to toxicology reports, there was no alcohol found in Anne's system, but there were traces of cocaine and fentanyl. She had been in a coma since August 5th. And uh, she had a severe brain injury. She was also badly burned. Her organs will be donated. And it's just sad because to me, Anne's death is a reminder that people are going through things. It makes yeah. me think of that yeah. nurse in, that, that killed five people in L.A., got into it with her boyfriend and drove through the intersection. Yeah. And this is no excuse, but, but it's still, just a reminder yeah. of how heavy the world is right now. And so rest in peace, Anne Hayes. It's sad. And I should mention Lifetime is still moving forward. She filmed a film with Lifetime, and wow. it's scheduled to premiere next month. That's crazy. And as of yesterday, oh, wow. they said it's still coming out. So okay. rest in peace. And she also had children. Yeah. So. A lot. Wow. Sad. And really quickly before we go to break, since it's up, uh, Ellen DeGeneres tweeted and she said, this is a sad day. Yeah. I'm sending Anne's children, family and friends all of my love. Mm. Wow. All right. Coming up next, the Wall Street Journal reported 11 sets of classified documents were obtained by the FBI in the raid of Trump's home. What we know so far next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, newly unsealed search warrants related to the FBI's Monday raid at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida are revealing a lot. Uh, the former president is being investigated by the Department of Justice for potential violations of the Espionage Act, mishandling government documents, and obstruction of justice. And here is House Intelligence Ranking Member Representative Mike Turner downplaying Trump potentially having classified nuclear documents at his residence. It depends on what the nuclear information is. Uh, you can say nuclear weapons, but there are things that are highly, highly classified. There are things that are, are not extremely classified, but, but are nonetheless classified. The other aspect with respect to, uh, to access is we don't know what those documents are. I mean, I'm asking the same question you are. Attorney General Garland, <laughs> Director Ray, if these things rise to the level of national security threats to which there's an immediate need to enter the residence of a former president, you know, that should have a higher level of scrutiny, right? All right. Back with us is national correspondent for Washington Post, Philip Bump. Thanks for being here. You bet. I mean, uh, this is it, it, this is a pretty big deal, uh, but it seems like there's a lot of people out there acting like, oh, well, let's like, we don't need to make it into such a big deal as we heard. What are the implications of this coming out? Uh, it's a good question, right? You know, I mean, I, I hate to sort of hem and haw here, but... You, what we have is we have a document from the federal government saying we are trying to investigate whether Donald Trump committed these crimes, uh, you know, articulating the three statutes that they may have been violated in an effort to be able to collect this evidence to make the case to a judge to sign off on a search warrant. We don't know that they're going to ever be able to prove 
uh, or, you know, to, to feel as though they can prove that Donald Trump violated those laws. Um, you know, so they may never actually bring charges against it. And I, th- I think it's important to note that that this, the one of the statutes that's identified is part of the Espionage Act. But the allegation that that's in the code isn't that he like was spying, that he was trying to sell secrets to people. It was that he had documents that could have been sold to people. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to sort of read the tea leaves here. Um, and it's really easy to sort of go way too far down the line and, and, and draw assumptions. Yeah, because, I mean, you brought up the Espionage Act. And right. I guess for folks who don't know what that is, what is that? And then why is it being thrown around? And is it too early to throw that stuff around? Yeah, I mean, the Espionage Act is pretty much exactly what it says. It is it is the the primary law under which people who commit acts of espionage against the United States are uh, indicted or, or tried, right? So, you know, if I find out how to build a nuclear submarine and I call Kim Jong-un and, you know, sell him that for 25 bucks and you know, I'm committing espionage and I, and I can go to jail. But as with any law, there are a lot of different pieces to it. There are a lot of different components that, that uh, are barred by law that, that build into it, right? And so one of the components of the Espionage Act is you're not allowed to take documents and keep them at your house in essence. Uh, and that's what Donald Trump is alleged to have done. And, of course, in the context of the Espionage Act, it makes sense. I'm not allowed to take the nuclear subplant and keep it in my house so that I can then sell them to Kim Jong-un, right? There's no, there's no uh, idea at this point that Donald Trump went and did that second step. It was just that he had that stuff at his house. And that's why it's useful to be cautious here, because I, I, I doubt you know, who knows? Anything can happen. But I really doubt that the Justice Department feels as though Donald Trump was trying to sell that stuff. Mm, that's so interesting because I know that Attorney General, you know, Merrick Garland is planning on prosecuting Trump to the fullest extent of the law, him and his cronies. But how is will there be a challenge, do you think, as far as like proving? I know we've been talking a lot about intention. But like proving mm-hmm. some of his intention around like the secrecy or even pleading the fifth like he did a few days ago. How can he go about proving that Trump had, you know, ill intent, I guess? Well, so we're, we're, there are a couple of different things here, right? So there's the question of intent when we're talking about something like January 6th. So did Donald Trump understand that he hadn't lost the election but still encourage people to come to Washington and, you know, who ultimately rioted, right? Their intent matters. Here it doesn't. He had those documents, right? <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, look, we'll add all the, all the due allegedly and so on and so forth. But the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago. They took documents full of top secret material that had to dock top secret material out of Mar-a-Lago. That's it. It doesn't matter. And yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump's not going to be able to say, hey, I'll bet get there. Maybe Jared put it. You know, I mean, like, there, there's not a whole lot but of we space know he that he will. has here. <laughs> we know <laughs> yeah, he I mean, will. Try, I mean, we already know what his argument's going to be, which I'm happy to get into. But then you also have the pleading the fifth thing, which is a, which is a New York State-specific thing. It has very specific ramifications in New York State. Mm. But here, it's it's pretty cut and dry if the FBI took out of there what it said he took out of there. All right. Well, that was Washington Post reporter Philip Bump. Thank you so much again. Okay, so the CDC has confused everyone once again because it's relaxed its COVID-19 requirements. Why? Up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The CDC released new guidelines loosening COVID-19 restrictions. Now the question is, was that the right decision? And is it further contributing to confusion? Joining us is Dr. Amos Adolja, infectious disease doctor at John Hopkins. Thanks so much for being here. Sure, thanks for having me. Okay, so talk to us about what are they loosening up? Because it seems like the CDC changes the guidelines often. 
Well, what's different about this guidance is mostly related to who has to quarantine after exposure. In the past, it had been that if you were exposed, you were advised to stay at home for a period of time. That's now not the case, that a person who is exposed can continue to be around people and go about their lives so long as they're wearing a mask and then test on day five. That's the biggest change, and I think it, I, I think this was expected. And the reason the guidance changes is because the virus is becoming increasingly more manageable as we have vaccines and boosters and immunity in the population and monoclonal antibodies and rapid tests and antivirals. You can't, you can't use the same guidance from an era when those things didn't exist any longer. And I think this was a good change, and I, and I welcome it. That's All a right. good point. Well, do, will this, you know, I guess this will be fine. This will work for us, not against us. I mean, are we really out of this, like, really heated emergency moment at this point? It, in my opinion, yes. I think when you don't see hospitals worried about capacity any longer, I, I think that the emergency situation is a different flavor than what it was in the past. Yeah. We're always going to have ups and downs with COVID. There's always going to be a baseline number of cases, hospitalizations, and even deaths. But it's more easier to think about it now like other respiratory viruses. We couldn't do that earlier, think about it like flu. But now I think we're at the point where we're, we're starting to think about it in the same manner. And that's what this guidance reflects, that we're becoming much more acclimatized to it. And we've got all these tools that we didn't have. And we've got so much immunity in the population. And we're not worried about hospitals any longer. So all of that changes how we should think about this. Yeah, it's so wild to me, even with respect to the fantastic points that you just made about like vaccines and how the conversation has shifted. I'm someone who's still personally dealing with a lot of traumas and triggers from lockdown in 2020, where, you know, you couldn't go outside without fearing death. And now it's like, oh, you got COVID. You can still come into work. Um, I'm interested in knowing how this might fluctuate as, you know, we have different variants, you know, come out. I just was looking on my social media and a year ago, yeah. people were making jokes saying my summer plans versus the Delta variant because that was the threat. And then, yeah. you know, we had Omicron. So what is this going to look like as as new variants potentially pose bigger and new threats? I think it will still be very similar because no matter what the variant is, it's going to have a very hard time causing severe disease at the rate that COVID once could, because the, any new variant is dealing with the population, has a lot of immunity against severe disease, and has a lot of tools at the ready to be able to prevent severe disease, things like Paxlovid and monoclonal antibodies. So the variants are still going to have difficulty causing severe disease. Cases may go up and down, and there may be recommendations about masks in certain areas based on that. But I think when it comes to who has to quarantine and, what has to, and, and how we think about this, I don't think that necessarily will change, because this same conversation could be happening 50 years in the future because there will still be COVID, there will still be new variants. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to remember that this is not a virus that can be eradicated or eliminated. As long as there are humans on this planet, there will be COVID on this planet and new variants emerging. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I, because I recently had it for the first time, and it really did kind of knock me, you know, down. It was something that was really difficult, and I was shocked by it because I'm, I'm double, I'm triple vaxxed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it just felt like, okay, am I going to have to continue to get boosted or vaxxed as we're going, as, you know, the variants do change? Is that something that we can think about moving towards in the future? I think that we still don't quite know what the optimal vaccine policy will be in terms of boosters. There are plans to update the vaccine for the fall to make it more directed against BA4 and BA5. But when it comes to boosters, the real benefit is in prevention of severe disease, that our vaccines don't necessarily protect you against infection. 
And maybe that's that's a larger discussion about improving our vaccines to make them universal so they don't they don't need to be updated so that they have more broader protection against infection or maybe vaccines that are given through the nasal route that provide more protection against infection because the vaccines we currently have are excellent but their primary purpose is to prevent severe disease so they're not so good in the age of omicron at preventing infection have you heard about um this report or news coming out that if you've gotten covid over two times and you're a young person you're more likely to have like heart disease and stuff like that well, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation about how this, th- th- those repeat infections. In general, repeat infections tend to be milder. But if you're somebody that has high-risk conditions, the second infections, third infections can be additive. But in, in the, in the, for the most part, a second infection is not necessarily going to be as severe as the first. But that doesn't hold for everyone. No, I meant like in terms of long-term like right. I- so implications I, on was, your body. I was definitely about to ask that. Like how yeah. will this conversation shift? Because we still don't know what long COVID. Yeah, or, or even just like the impact on our bodies. Like yeah. if you get it more than once, are you hearing anything? Because you're obviously in the industry and you work in this. Like are you hearing anything we that we can be years from now. Yeah, impacted <laughs> by it? Like is it okay if I get COVID three times or more? All of us are going to get COVID multiple times during our, our lifespan, just like we get multiple other coronavirus infections. We just don't have any other way to, there's no, the vaccine isn't able to prevent infection. And most of those infections are not going to have, the, the, each successive infection is probably going to lower, it's less likely that you have complications with mm. it and less likely that you have long COVID from a second. The highest risk of long COVID comes after a first infection and unvaccinated individual. Yeah. Anybody vaccinated, it's lower. And, and second and third infections are lower. That, that doesn't mean it's zero but it's not, it becomes lower. But I don't think that there's an easy solution to all of that. And when it comes to long COVID, there's more questions than answers. I still don't think we have proper definitions or our proper understanding of what, right. what it actually is. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We would have, we totally have more questions, but unfortunately we got to wrap this up. Dr. Amish Adalja, infectious disease doctor at John Hopkins. Thanks for being with us. All right, next up on the show, popular pizza chain Domino's took their business to Italy back in 2015. (laughs) Uh, What residents seem to think about this? And it's like, these are viral videos going out there. It's pretty funny next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it seems like Domino's is closing its doors in Italy. The I'm surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised they were even in Italy. I didn't even I know mean, they were across so, the pond like so that. Here's the what thing. a dumb business I mean, decision. They, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we need to expand to the one place that they have a lot of pizza. What a dumb Italy. business yeah. decision. They, Why not? Their pizza's different. Yeah, crappy mm. different. <laughs> like, come I like on. Dominoes. Wait, no, I love to be clear, I've never been to you Italy. You do not so. go to Italy you know, to eat at Domino's. That's what I'm saying. Um, you don't go to Italy to eat at Domino's. Come on. If I go to Italy, I want the authentic Local. pizza. Well, exactly. I want, I think it, the funny thing is, I would go to Italy and buy, uh, get uh, like a slice of Domino's pizza or buy a to, pizza to and compare? then like compare it to like others. Yeah. So, you know, it <laughs> might, do a taste that's their business model for the comparison. It might taste different as well because, you know, they say McDonald's in other countries. It does. In Israel, Oh, the Israel McDonald's is it. In Trinidad, they put like a oh everything seasoning on your fries. I saw on TikTok. Oh. I saw like black pepper flakes on, on the oh. fries and they had a chicken Big Mac. Sorry, yes, I was watching. They this. do. No, it, <laughs> even in Israel, they had a chicken Big Mac. Wow. It was it spaghetti. Was you had it? No, it was too big. It's like literally too. It, they have like it, the funny thing is 
The, you would expect the McDonald's there to be the McDonald's here because everything is so supersized. Yeah. I was shocked by the menu there because it was like three or four Big Mac patties and three wow. three uh, big chicken Big Macs. That's like, because every day, every, nowadays I feel like restaurants, and this isn't to get away from the topic, but yeah. restaurants love doing these giant concoctions yeah. for social media. That's yeah. true. So let's stack eight burgers on top eight of one so you can take the picture and tag and it. But go ahead. At any rate, uh, so yeah, next time you go to Italy, Italy, you'll be forced to eat the local pizza. Yeah, they now, close I down mean, every chain listen, in Italy, right? If you, I, I give, <sighs> let me uh, give a little, a little recommendation or encourage you. If you leave America and you're going somewhere to go visit, try to like eat like more local. Don't try to find the Starbucks because you're used to it True. or another like American. I don't even do that. Chain. Yeah. I love go a local out of your way to. to like find places that you don't know or you only experience there. That's the point of traveling. But I will say, when it comes to pizza. I, there's something that's just like great about just a regular pepperoni pizza. I don't but need that, a spinach. I don't need a brie. They don't do that in Italy. Like, no, I don't no, need no, all the fancy more basic. If anything, we're ruining it. Right. Oh. We're the ones that do the... It's the same with sushi. It's the same with sushi. We do the same... We, in America, we do like Char's pizza, the garbage can pizza, <laughs> yeah, the kitchen yeah, sink. Yeah. We throw all... Italy is simple. They put one topping, drizzle it with some olive oil. It's your American a- taste oregano. buds talking about regular pizza. Oh, okay, like, I okay. totally agree with Shira, experience the the native Hazel. foods and the native restaurants. Don't go to what you know. There you go. Experience the country. So that's right. Domino's, that's why you failed. All right. One Next of the up, reasons. More of what's trending and why singer Michelle Branch was arrested. Coming Child. up in the tea report. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, welcome back to the show. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. Again, it's Sheer Ryan and Shar here taking over the Friday SRS. show. Exactly. <laughs> uh, instead of SOS or SRS. Uh, we also got a flyaway giveaway. That sounds like a Navy boat. SOS is uh, uh, no, like SRS. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Okay. <laughs> it is Channel Q. 
So Channel Q wants to fly you and a friend to Orlando to see Ben Platt at, her, at his biggest North American tour today. Enter to win at WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win round-trip airfare for two, a two-night hotel stay, and $200 gift card. And, of course, two VIP tickets to see the one and only Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. All right. Uh, coming up on the show, we're talking about the biggest do's and don'ts as the uh, parent of an LGBTQ child. And where do you sit on a controversial pop? pop culture you know how do you separate the art from the artist we're gonna be getting into that oh we're talking about gracious. problematic phase oh, yes wow that's in 15 so many minutes. have been acting up recently uh, for me why you think i picked the topic no we gotta talk about it well let's get into some what's trending this hour right now author salman rushdie was stabbed in the neck and abdomen while sitting on stage oh just as he goodness. was about to give a speech yeah this is crazy it happened this morning the assailant was detained after rushing towards the 75-year-old and knifing him. He's been taken into custody. A suspect has been identified as Hadi Matar, 24, of Fairview, New Jersey, who police believe had obtained a pass to attend the literary event. And this guy is elderly and got these stab wounds. Is he expected to survive? Yeah, we know? Uh, yeah he's he, recovering yeah, fine. Here, Stabbed in the neck. Yeah, here's Governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. Nope. I think we're having some tech issues. It's I mean, okay. He's alive. There he he's uh, been transported, airlifted to safety. But, and it happened at a site that is a place that's very familiar to me, rural community known as Chautauqua, Chautauqua Institution, where the most preeminent speakers and thought leaders and politicians and justices and everyone come together to have the free expression of thought. So this is a place ideal ideally suited for him to be able to speak and that's what he was attempting to do just in the last hour before he was attacked the uh, the moderator who was attacked as well we're monitoring the situation he's getting the care he needs at a local hospital can't even moderate a panel no. frightening right like imagine just being at a, like a local community event you know i'm sorry there for i'm an thinking about being in the sunset of my life in my 70s and being assaulted in that way that has to be it's very jarring um, oh my goodness. Although he does get, unfortunately, a lot of death threats because he has um, done a book um, relating to Islam. And so, like, it's not, unfortunately. Is it anti Islam? Or, or anti Muslim? I actually don't know his work that closely, but this was, like, according to um, articles about him. Well, moving on, uh, hotter and drier weather conditions could reduce California's water supply by up to 10% by the year 2040. Yikes. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom announced California's latest actions to increase water supply and adapt to more extreme weather patterns caused by climate change. The announcement follows $8 billion in state investments over the last two years to help store, recycle, desalt, and conserve the water it will need to keep up with the increasing pace of climate change, generating enough water in the future for more than 8.4 million households by 2040. The actions are outlined in a strategy document published by the administration it uh, calls for investing in new sources of water supply, accelerating projects, and modernizing how the state manages water through new tech. Really scary stuff. I mean, I'm worried that we're hearing about this now, just like we heard about where we'd be now, like a few years ago. And we're yeah. like, you know, water is scarce. Yeah, things are really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I guess this is connected. The Arctic is heating up nearly four times faster than the Earth as a whole, according to new research. Scientists previously estimated that the Arctic is heating up about twice as fast as the globe overall. And the new study finds that this is a significant underestimate of recent warming. In the last 43 years, the region has warmed 
3.8 times faster than the planet as a whole. And I was reading a fascinating study on Business Insider, I believe, about how that's going to introduce more like diseases and plagues yeah. to us oh, because these mean? microbes can still exist yeah. and like they can be living organisms yeah. within the and as things melt. I saw we, we covered be, that. Were you here at we the did, show? No. no, we covered that this week. Oh, that was me. Track. I read a report on that. So that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> That was what's turning this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Child, I got to say, I really empathize with this uh, singer. But, you know, you should always keep your hands to yourself. Yep. Michelle Branch, who I have not heard that name in quite some time. She was arrested for domestic assault in the early hours hmm. of this morning after allegedly slapping her estranged husband, yep. Patrick Carney, who of the Black Keys. Um, Branch had accused Carney of cheating in a tweet that she has since deleted, and this is where my empathy comes in. Michelle Branch tweeted this morning, quote, just found out my husband cheated on me with his manager, Haley oh. McDonald, a full-stop management while I was home with our six-month-old daughter. My God, today. I just, oh. y'all see, I, I have a physical reaction to that. I literally can't, but like... like and my thing Men is the fact audacious. that he decided to do that and then like call the police on her for a slap. Men, if they don't have anything, if cishet men don't have anything else, it's audacity. It's dis- it's disgusting. It is audacity. It's disgusting. Now the couple had been married for three years and they have two young children. Representatives for Branch and Carney did not respond to TMZ or people's request for further comment. And that is the T report for this hour. I, you know, I don't advocate for domestic abuse in any situation, but I'm gonna rock a shirt that says "Free Michelle." No, she deserves it. <laughs> she deserves to be Patrick free. Patrick Carney is not even a good-looking guy. Which, by the way, my middle Those school are always the worst. My middle school assistant principal had the surname of Carney, and he was not that good-looking. So, so it, might, it might just be in the the name. <laughs> Cause you're. I, I like this song. Yeah. This makes me think of Lindsay Lohan movies of the early 2000s. All right. What's coming up in Char Says So? Coming up in Char Says So, we're going to talk about dealing with a problematic fave. And I'm not talking about in proximity to you or a peer. Woo! I'm talking about if you love Harry Potter, but you have issue with J.K. Rowling oh. on, a, on a moral compass level. That's just one example. But we're going to talk about that coming up. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So it's teased before the break, you know. I'm sorry, I I, I keep forgetting to turn on the mics yeah, all the way. Yeah, listen, I'm only here one day a week, people. Soak it in. So in the name, like this week in particular, we've had a few hiccups within the pop culture zeitgeist. For example, Kathy Hilton on Sunday night calling Lizzo precious and not Precious Lee, which people hopped in my mentions and tried to say. No, and that because it was based off of a, a USA Today article that tried to loop in Precious Lee. They're trying to save her? Yeah, they were trying to the, save what? her. Precious Lee is a plus-sized model. Who is oh. stunning. I'm, if I'm a journalist who does pop culture and I don't even know who Precious Lee is, you expect me to believe that that Kathy Hilton knows who I Precious Lee is? Okay, us. play it, play it, play it. Lady. Yes. I feel like I do, Precious. No, that's not me. I don't know her. Uh, that is Lizzo. She is Precious, though. Lizzo's Precious. That's like what I call her. Lizzo. Oh, my gosh. The laughing is so cringy to me. It's well, yeah, the instead of, yeah, oh, the, it's yeah. so cringe. And, and we should mention that the Precious that she was referring to is the character from the Lee Daniels film that starred Gabourey Sidibe and Monique. So she basically was comparing Lizzo and Gabourey, who look nothing alike, yeah. who also are in two totally different fields of, of entertainment. And it got under my skin because these women are minding their business. Which Gabourey, was the second time that happened. 
happened to Lizzo on that show. What um, do you mean? A week before Eva Marcel, there was they were playing a game, and uh, there was a photo that popped up of Lizzo, and she literally said she be eating. Who now? Who is that? Eva. Oh, she said she be yeah, eating. Yeah, like she be oh, eating. What? Is that because Lizzo's screen name is Lizzo be eating? Yeah, but it, it wasn't in that context. Oh, yeah, really? I don't I don't okay. like this. And like I was saying, because stop these using women, Lizzo for your games. I know. I mean, please. stop using plus size black women for your games. Um, Gabourey's at home with her husband and her three cats minding her business, and Lizzo was on the beach in a bikini oh, yeah. minding hers. So I don't like things like this. But I wanted to have a conversation with you all, especially you, Shira. No, no I'm joking. Because I know that you have <laughs> problematic yeah. faves. Yeah. How do you delineate? How do you? We all do. How, we all do. I love Wendy Williams, and there's people that will call into this station and tell me a million and one reasons why I shouldn't. Yeah. And I know Wendy has had her her stuff, and like I told you all before the break, you know, what if you're a Harry Potter fan, but J.K. Rowling does not align with your your you know moral compass what about if you're a michael jackson fan those Kanye allegations West. you know there's there's a lot of different ways in which we pick and choose and what's the line for you so that's kind of what i want to talk about i mean uh, a lot of people hate elon musk but they'll get a tesla he's a capricorn first of all yeah you're right it's true <laughs> it's true because i do want one i still want no, one I now you know, i still want now one. you know you got to get rid of your AAA if you get a tesla really? Oh, really? sunny said that there sunny hostel on the view manny her husband who's a doctor has a tesla and his car broke down yeah and he this had has to happened wait. i've seen it before he had to yeah. wait like three hours like tesla has their anyway. own version of triple a yeah, but true. it's not like popular and oh, everywhere oh i didn't know that okay this or black- what about the fact that steve jobs was pretty problematic but everyone loves apple in what ways was he problematic? Right he was, um, suppo- oh, he just w- didn't treat workers ethically or, he, oh, or like toxic, toxic work So any other like, rich CEO? <laughs> um, any okay. Other I mean, for me, I think it's so interesting when we talk about this because there, there are, it is difficult um, to uh, split the line between the artist and the work um, because it's like, well... I don't know. It's it's been something that's been always difficult for me. If I'm being quite honest, like if I always say like, let's talk about Nicki Minaj, right? I will never publicly say, even though I'm doing it now, that I listen to her music, right? Mm-hmm. But in public, I I and I st- I saw her at Essence Festival, mm-hmm. and she was great, and I was like living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also know how she's attached to so many problematic oh, yeah. things, from the connections to her husband to the way said and the done. things that she said and done. There's so much there that is really it makes me uncomfortable. But there's so much history and memories tied to the work that I remember. It makes me feel. Yeah. But is there like I I feel like there's obviously a spectrum of problematic. Is there like like that line we're like well they've been brought back but not enough where well, that's I can still I, listen that, that's essentially my question yeah. I think for me it's easy <laughs> like as someone I was never a Nikki fan because I didn't like I can appreciate I won't take away from that sister's you're accomplishment little, you're a little Kim girl but I was raised on Kimberly Denise yeah. Jones from Bed-Stuy New York and I did not like the way that Nikki entered the game and what she had to say about Kim yeah. I also wasn't a fan of all the characters and stuff like I felt that was for kids Sophia Grace on Ellen doing boom ba doom boom bass <laughs> Nikki you know, like that's not my type of hip hop. But know? like a Kathy oh Hilton God. who just literally stepped in it. I I love Kathy. She's one of my favorites on Housewives of Beverly you Hills. You gotta talk to her on April second. Exactly. And so that was really difficult for me because I know the running joke is she don't know anything. Yeah. yeah. And so this was yeah. kind of like a moment where 
it, it showed multiple things. Like, I feel like two truths can ex- really exist here. It was here. Yeah. It was most it was definitely racist, that. Yeah. And it also was just like, damn, Kathy, don't make yeah. me not like you anymore because I love you. But the point I was trying to make is it was nothing for me to dispose of Nikki yeah. because I can appreciate her contributions and... And yeah. when it comes to her music, I was always more of a fan of Nikki collaborations mm. than her solo work. Yeah. I never really liked her solo yeah. work, but she knows she can a lay feature. down 16 bars on a feature. Yeah. But let's go back to some of the big ones. Oh, we need to go. Um, that, like, I mean, there's I mean, Michael I think Jackson, there's Harry Kelly, Potter. I feel like the yeah, the ones I think that people time. that people talk about really are Harry Potter with J.K. Rowling. R. Kelly and Michael Jackson. And then I would say Chris and Brown. And don't forget Bill Cosby. Chris Brown and Bill Cosby, Because too. the Bill Cosby show, the oh, different totally. story. Older uh, blacks are struggling yeah. with Bill yeah. Cosby. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I think there are extremes where you're like, there's no room to, like, it's uncomfortable to watch them knowing they were doing those things during that time. But see, not everybody feels that way. Some people can I excuse sexual assault, but can't excuse racism. I just won't. <laughs> I think for me, how I've handled it, like, I just kind of eliminate them from... Yeah. My my like what I take in I I ended up fixing so we have a little bit of extra time, um I I just I end up just yeah kind of not supporting them financially anymore like it's not yeah. like I'm I'm buying their music or like I well, like you know if I hear yeah, exactly. or I see a clip of it online maybe do? I'll play it but I'm not financially um like actually adding to their success. Okay, well, let me throw this in there because as a stan, everyone knows that I've been a a stan of Destiny's Child since I was Mm -hmm. fifth grade. They shaped a lot of the woman that I am today, actually. Mm -hmm. All three, not just Beyonce, all three of those women did. And it stung, you know, when when Dave Chappelle was tackled at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, yeah. And I... Got word that Jay Z and Beyonce were there. They're friends. They're close friends. The way that I reconcile that is that I was, people were saying that he and Jay Z are friends and Beyonce (laughs) was there with Jay Z. Uh, That's the only way I can kind of skirt around this. But also, what do you do when your politics don't (sighs) align with your friends? Because I do not believe. I do not believe that. But I mean, not really, though, because he's just flat years, out being... Though. Well, but, he's always kind of been problematic, yeah, totally. but I think now Taking the next we're, level. we're very vocal about what it. What I will say is I don't think that Renaissance is a cash grab for Beyonce. I think oh, I don't she either. Has yeah, Uncle John, that's she literally did her a research. There's, you yeah. know, and so what do you do... And she's in house music before. What do we do? Because we all have friends in our lives that don't align with us politically, but morally for the most part. That's, yeah. how, that's what links the friendship. Yeah. What happens as your star rises, and let's say theirs does as well... How do you maintain? Let's say Beyonce and Chappelle are friends. Oh. But Beyonce's got Laverne Cox and Ivy Park being a spokesperson. I think Jack, it could get it could be Jay-Z, bad. That could be Jay-Z, bad. Jay Z had Janet Mock in the Family Feud video. There's it's a very everywhere. Exactly. It's very. It's, it, I think this is what it proves. The the silence of us trying to figure out how to answer this <laughs> is the it's complicated. Exactly. And it's 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 nuanced and it's like just like every family. Yeah, well, I wouldn't consider that man a part of my family, but that was a great story. <laughs> <laughs> a part of my family. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, with LGBTQ plus youth being attacked politically, it wouldn't be shocked if parents everywhere were worried about how to handle if their kids come out. Well, there's a new groundbreaking coming out guide, and we have the creator and editor of it. So joining us to break this down, you know, the do's and don'ts, please welcome Donald Harkin, the creator and editor of the LGBTQIA Guide for Parents and Guardians at Shout Out. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Harkin. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, we're super happy. This is this is so important. Let's start off with why was it important for you to come up with this guide? It was kind of based on my own experience with my own mother. 
my own mother, you know, I, I'm from Ireland. I live in Dublin and Ireland, you know, was quite a conservative place for a long time. We've only kind of made a lot of change in the last few years. So I think a lot of people of an old generation kind of feel maybe a bit left out and unsure of, you know, all the new terminology and different parts of being LGBTQI+. So when I came out myself, my own mother was very worried about me. She didn't understand lots of things. And it was more the fear of the unknown and obviously worked through all that. And I was a better relationship than ever. But the experience kind of made me realize that, you know, so many parents and guardians are so fearful and don't know. And I thought, why not develop a guide which kind of has, you know, the A to Z of what to expect, you know, what certain terms are. And that's kind of where it came from. And then I volunteered with Shoutout. And they said, yeah, go ahead and put it together. And that's what I did. Amazing. And how did you figure out, like, what to include? Did you involve other people in it? Yeah, so I suppose, like, I spoke to lots of my friends through LGBTQI+. And I kind of said, you know, what kind of questions or queries your parents had? Um, I spoke to my own parents as well. My own mother gave plenty of material. She was inspiration. So it was kind of like, you know, kind of different friends, family, a kind of different group, as many people I could. And it kind of just came from there. Like, you know, I'm sure we could have probably written an encyclopedia and all the things to have in it, but obviously we didn't have that many pages. But, you know, we kind of thought, let's try and cover the main topics, such as, you know, terminology, coming out, maybe bullying at school, different parts as well. So we kind of just thought these are some of the main points people mentioned, and that's what we included. So it includes, basically, it's it's a handbook, if you will, of general mm-hmm. terms, and then if it's a more nuanced situation, which it tends to be, depending on how you come out, then your parents yeah. are able to ask and, and dig a little deeper. You know, one of the, the difficult sections was, you know, we're like, you know, what to do if you think maybe your child is LGBTQI+. Because, you know, lots of parents are very open and accepting and they may kind of have an inkling, which could be wrong or, or right. But, you know, sometimes parents say, oh, I just asked them myself straight away. And, you know, we kind of looked at it and discussed with people. And we felt that, like, kind of putting that pressure on somebody can be a lot. So we kind of thought building an inclusive environment and fostering that kind of openness from an early age will kind of lead to a child being able to come out easier. So that was a hard section because I spoke to parents who said, oh, I just want to ask them. I don't care if they are. And that's really admirable. But, you know, people have to come to it in their own terms too. And sometimes being asked directly is difficult. So we try not, you know, tailor as best we could to our own experiences as volunteers and being members of the community as well. Yeah, and I think that's so important to think about the nuances of that as well. I guess top three things from this list that people should take away from that is kind of on your mind about this guide. I suppose, first of all, you know, creating uh, an inclusive home from an early age is really important. You know, so there's never a stage of where your child may think you're not accepting. So I think doing things such as having, you know, literature, films, TV that are obviously age-appropriate LGBT-themed is really important. You know, having that from an early age, so maybe the book about two princes who fall in love, not just a prince and princess, and maybe you might have films, you know, which are for young kids which have LGBT characters. So having that kind of representation from a very early age will lead to either, you know, your children being very accepting if they're straight, and if they're not straight, then they'll know that you as a family support and love them. So I think that's very important. I think the second thing would be, you know, bullying at school is still kind of an issue in Ireland, and I'm sure in America too. And I think sometimes children are very scared and afraid to, t- to tell parents they're being bullied, especially if they've been targeted for being LGBT if they haven't come out themselves or even accepted themselves. I know from my own experience, I was bullied very badly in school, and I never wanted to tell the teachers or my parents because in my mind, if I told them what was being said to me, they would think I was gay, which obviously was right, but, you know, I had accepted at that point myself. So being mindful as a parent, be watchful, 
mm. and to kind of have conversations with children around bullying and what it looks like and making sure, you know, the child knows that you can come to them if anything that happens. Because, you know, bullying somebody can lead to really long, you know, long-term effects. And I know it stopped me coming out until I was 23, so I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. And then as well, I suppose, it's about just being open to learn more about things, you know, like LGBTQI plus acronym. A lot of parents I know are kind of really confused by it and they don't understand it or, you know, kind of understanding pronouns and different identities. So being more aware and knowledgeable, I'd say those are the three three main takeaways, I would say, from the guide. Yeah, really good. And just finally, what advice should we be giving to LGBTQ youth? Like, um, you know, I think that this is important for those who are elders in the community and also those who are just allies. I think for, for youth, I think, you know, first of all, if you've come out and you're able to accept you, that's fantastic. And don't be afraid to kind of have open conversations with your parents and guardians, you know, if they're kind of, they don't know about certain aspects of your life, they want to learn more, like, you know, helping them and helping teach them is really important as well. And also, I think, too, it's about, you know, if you're able to come out and be, you know, be who you are, kind of create an environment for other people in your community to see who you are and not being afraid to, you know, create groups in schools or youth clubs. So if other people who are maybe struggling, unlike, you know, you are, that they may come to you then and say, you know, I think I'm LGBTQI plus two. I'd like to, you know, meet you and talk about it as well. So I think for the youth now, we have to kind of continue the fight and continue to represent and continue to be there for people of our own age and for all generations too, because, you know, representation and kind of having an image and a voice is so important because progression can become regression very quickly. So we need to keep the voice and keep waving the flag. All right, so thank you so much for joining us. Donald Harkin, a creator and editor of the LGBTQIA Guide for Parents and Guardians at Shout Out. We really appreciate it for having you. All right, coming up next, the worst dating app yet is here. More on the right stuff next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, right, well, let's Why get into that? it. Uh, queer billionaire Peter Thiel. Oh, you've said uh, more than enough. Who's a former board member of Facebook is actually one of the app's biggest backers. So is this something that's good for the queer community, you would no. ask? Uh, he's pumped $1.5 million into an app called The Right Stuff. Can you guess what the app does? Find what kind of dating app? Oh, I, I remember. Find you a sugar daddy. Uh, here it is. Uh, the app, which was started by uh, the younger sister of the Trump White House secretary, Kaylee McEnany. So Ryan McEnany started it. Oh. Um, she almost post- shocked me. I was like, now hold on, Ryan who? She posted a video about the app's arrival. Uh, it's coming out next month. She says that you can only join by invitation. Mm-hmm. It's free to use. I don't have it. Don't look at but, me. But ladies can earn a premium membership by inviting other women to join. She also says that... Um, Wait, so is this gay or not? Those no, are... Listen, no, no, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. The homosexuals cannot I was about to get to it. This. Those are the only two options, ladies and gentlemen. She also clarifies that even when building your profile, it won't ask you for your preferred pronouns. Ooh. <laughs> Which, you know, there is literally a school, like a principal that just banned perf- uh, like pronouns. And I'm like, well, how are they going to address each other? They don't. Like, I, don't just saying I They don't get it. They mean. think they're, they're taking away for just like people, the LGBT. English level. class is about to be really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so you cannot. So basically, because I thought that you were introducing it's for this. straight people. Yeah. I thought that, that you were introducing this as a gay app. No, it's like the opposite. It's the exact the opposite. The former press secretary for Donald so wait, Trump, why did you ask if it's good for the queer community? Because it's obviously not. It's very straight, and they're against everything else. Oh, so it's for conservative people. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and, and why? Queers. <laughs> oh, plenty. We talked to a log cabin Republican on here every Tuesday and Thursday in 2019. We did. I know. Shout we out to Matthew Kraft. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, this sounds like it's very it's it's aimed at a very specific audience. Oh my God. And you know, I say good riddance. I don't trust anyone affiliated with Facebook. I'll tell you and I got friends that work for Facebook, but after they pulled that stunt that they did yeah. with the, the abortion thing, I said, Oh no, 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 no. Here's yeah. the thing. There needs to be more options. And that's options. just one of many. Yeah, of course. There is a more options. FarmersOnly.com. I was about to think. You took you my want, job. Oh, I did. ChristianMingle.com. Take it away. Take it away. Say it so again. So there needs to be more options. I mean, you can't just go on Farmers Only. <laughs> what about Christian Mingle? <laughs> Black people meet. <laughs> Well, there you go. The worst, officially the award, the award for the worst dating app out so, there. So, uh, wait, let me ask one more question. So, is this is specifically for, like, rich people. You have to be invited like a Raya. Well, it's, like, it's, a, it's a Raya for conservatives. But it's not, like, I don't Raya think it needs to be rich. Raya is for conservatives. I'm I mean, on Raya. I mean, yeah. That is for Raya, conservatives. Raya, I downloaded it for a while. If you don't know from Raya it is, Raya is like uh, an upscale app that is meant for folks with blue check marks, celebrities, or just people. Influencers. Yeah, in the industry. And it is not, if you are, if you are Mark, of color, yeah. it's not really an app for you. Do really? you know, I, I don't really. I when I was single, I watched. I've had this. Oh my God, I got to show you him, this one guy. But he was just like, I don't want to. I connected with up. lots of black guys on. Raya. You, I'm sure you did I, because I guess. Is the, that, it, were you, are you excited? How did that make you feel? I, can't, I was terrible. What on. year was this? <laughs> I connected with hot guys, but I didn't get together with any. What year was this? Because there are no uh, black during, men. During COVID. There are no black yeah. men on my Raya. Really? I'm like, is this an auto setting? <laughs> like, I don't see any black men. <laughs> Um, I really don't any, see any other men other than white men. There are no Indian men. There are no indigenous men. There are no Asian men, no Latino men. They're so all just the white and this live is, in Malibu. This is what I think we should this do. This is what I think we should do. Ryan is always the one who goes oh and investigates. God. I am. Ryan, yeah. I what, what, what app did you download? Ryan and I, I've downloaded uh, um, the Truth app. So I've Ryan has downloaded. So I think we have a new. We have, a, we have something new for you to do. I gotta find the straightest Excuse picture of me, me though. The we, straightest. You need to download photos. this app. Excuse and, me. Yeah. Ryan cannot do an investigation on my behalf because Ryan is a Big Mac. I'm chicken. Nugget, so you're gonna do it, and you're a McFlurry. So, you're... so we gonna have three different results. We three different items on the menu. So we gonna have three no, the different results. The whole point results. is for him has he's an assignment. He needs to go check this app how for us. His, if Ryan gets success on the app, how does that then affect Charjasel? I don't need to be how? impacted. I just am interested to know what's happening. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we're back. And th- hope you're enjoying that great music here on Channel Q. Mm-hmm. It's a Friday and we've got a flyaway giveaway. Yes, we do. Channel Q is flying you off to see Ben Platt. I can't imagine my life without It's his biggest North American tour to date with special guest Allie and AJ. Whoa, whoa. We'll fly you to Orlando, put you up in a fabulous hotel, get you ground transportation, and VIP tickets to Ben Platt. I can't imagine to win, all you gotta do is go to wearechannelq.com. Thanks to AEG. Yep, make sure you enter your chance to win. We are channelq.com. Okay, coming up on the show, what role does willpower really play in avoiding temptation? We're talking about that in 30 minutes. Ooh, willpower. Yeah. Hopefully we talk about the religious trauma that comes with that sometimes. Hey, willpower. Ooh, that's going to be a sexy yeah. conversation. Plus the future of, pretty strong. of a top comic book series involving a star who keeps getting arrested. More in the tier report. Oh, I'm so sick of. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm so sick of this star. But you all will see in the tier report. Yep.
Uh, let's get into some what's trending this hour headlines. Representative Barbara Lee says she's outraged that Republicans blocked a $35 cap on insulin prices for non-medical people in the Inflation Reduction Act. But let me be clear, this bill is not perfect. And I am outraged by Republican senators' opposition to key provisions like a $35 cap on insulin prices. Uh, you know who that affects disproportionately? Black and brown people. They're putting politics over people. Families still face huge burdens from housing to childcare to immigration. We have a lot left to get done. But thanks to the relentless, and I mean relentless, determination of the Progressive Caucus and progressives around the country, we are poised to deliver real, tangible improvements in the lives of families around the country immediately. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chuck Schumer said, quote, we're going to come back and make them vote on that again. So that's definitely still top of mind. Moving on to the New York Times, you refused to run an op-ed from Republican South Carolina Senator Tim Scott in 2020 without Democratic Senate leader Chuck Schumer's approval. Scott reportedly submitted an op-ed promoting police reform legislation that he introduced in June 2020, but New York Times leadership buried it. Wow. Hmm. All right. What do you think about that, church and state, you know, with... uh, a, a publisher. Child, the church is the state, the, the, the direction we're headed Well, but in. meaning like for the New York <laughs> Times to say they're not going to allow an op-ed from well, a certain side. Well, I mean, side. they're a private-owned company, aren't they? They pick and choose. Just like, do you think the Federalist would allow, you think Breitbart would allow an op-ed from me? <laughs> Doubt and it. Let's not like they do run. They have Republican opinionists. Oh, and plenty. They have so many. They're dangerous so sometimes. Like, let's not act like they don't. Um, and so, like, if they that's a good point. If they decide not to do this specific one, that must yeah. mean it was doing some things that even for them wasn't that their editor in chief didn't want to stand yeah. by. So it's we'll see. Like, we'll, s- we'll see how they respond to that. And finally, a debate is raging online after the Shakespeare's Globe Theater in London announced an upcoming play about Joan of Arc would feature a non-binary person in the lead role who uses the pronouns they them. Of course, J.K. Rowling has something to say about it, saying the switch was, quote, insulting and damaging. Feminists today denounce new non-binary portrayal as offensive and sexist. But the theater had defended production and suggested Shakespeare would agree. Um, J.K. Rowling don't speak for feminists. I know. Yeah. On why is this becoming? That, it's unfortunate. Is, this is becoming like her brand, where she just like talks well, no, about it. Is, yeah, and, she's a she's a spokesperson for turfs. Yeah, but the gag is, you saw Matt Walsh and the other people like si- actively silencing yeah. her. She thinks she has support. That speaks to a lot of women who think that they can just enter the boys' club with no repercussions. Fifty-three percent. Like sister, that you gon' you gonna <laughs> be in for the shock of your life. You think it's sweet now. <laughs> Well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my goodness. If you all have been listening to Channel Q every day this summer, like I know that you have, then you know how much Char is annoyed with this next person. And no, it's not Demi Lovato. It's actually Ezra Miller. I don't know if you all, because I wasn't here this week. Did you all talk about how Warner Brothers still had Ezra filming scenes this summer? I like, don't remember. I feel like at this point, all of our Ezra Miller content just blurs together. It's just so wild to me that, that Ezra that was still out have here a job. committing all these offenses yeah. and then was like, oh, I'll just be in Tuesday to do that pickup scene like for the Flash. And it seems like Ezra is in a space where clearly they're having mental health issues. So how do they hop back into being able to perform as a, like in a role like How do you scrap Batgirl and then still fully well, yeah, why, exactly. why are they doing anything? Exactly. Well, Warner Brothers is reportedly debating how to move forward 
hard with the Flash. <laughs> What's the debate? Uh, man, well, the debate is happening because now all of this it's is money. public knowledge. Yeah. We know that you all allowed Ezra to fly in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and film in the midst of him assaulting women why in Hawaii. They, why do they it love a, him? Just get another a, actor. But I will say it's annoying because I really am excited. I really wanted that but, Flash movie. But just do Flash and without they, and with they another were a good actor. Flash, too. It's just annoying that they've ruined it. Mm, according to The Hollywood Reporter, a source said the studio is considering three possible options regarding the release of the DC movie, which is currently set for June 2023, so just under a year, um, including one instance where the film is pulled all together. I say yank that it just like they did Batgirl yeah, you might as well. and the Scooby-Doo and use it as a tax write-off. But per The Insider, the first scenario would include Miller reaching out for professional help, which WB, Warner Brothers, has heard inklings could happen. Ooh, it's a possibility. Um, they then could do an interview in which they'd address the controversial behavior. This is a whole PR thing. It's about wow. rebranding Ezra. If the studio were to go forward with the second strategy, the movie could still open in theaters, but Miller wouldn't be very much involved in the promotion of the film. So he, they'd still be able to be the star. You just can't That's go just to weird. live with Kelly and Ryan and promote it. So, you know, I don't know what to say about Warner Brothers. I don't know how I feel about these institutions because it's so blatant. Like, you all can't lie to us. We see who you're choosing to discard and who you're choosing. You're working overtime yeah, to protect. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. frustrating because Ezra, as we've seen in the myriad of reports that have unfolded this summer, is clearly, mental health or not, abusing people yeah. and minors. Don't give and him a leading like, role. Don't give him a role at all. Put him in a corner for timeout like you did everyone else and let him sit out for three years. That's the T-Report for this hour. Yeah. Next up, uh, this is like therapy hour. I love it. How to define success on your own terms. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So how do you define success? And we want to get into how to define success on your own terms. Mm. But, you know, I, I guess first, it, it is important to know what success means to you in order to define, you know, how you get that. Uh, That's okay. such a great question. Yeah, so I'm going to throw it out to everyone here. What does I, success mean to you? I feel like success for me has changed over time. I think when I first moved out here, success was all about... Uh, it was really being fueled to prove everyone wrong back at home, especially mm -hmm. my mom. It was about reaching a level of quote-unquote success about like, you know, oh, I can pay my own bills. I made it. Everything you were saying, I guess what? I succeeded. I did it. It was mm -hmm. literally being fueled off By of the all gag. the negativity in the gag. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And I think now how I view success is being happy and proud with the work that I'm putting out, intentional with the work that I put out. Mm -hmm. And then like also this is a new thing, also realizing that not everything is uh, needs to be surrounded are, uh, by money. Like, it doesn't necessarily, like, you don't have to be money-centric to be, like, feeling like, oh, you did something really great here. Yeah, you, and, and that's really shifted for me. You definitely took part of my answer because a lot mm -hmm. of success for me was, of course, rooted in financial trauma that came with adulthood, which is so odd because in childhood, I didn't struggle financially. Like, I was taken care of, had a great childhood and adolescence. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once you get kicked out of the nest, you really like, oh, my parents made it seem like this was nothing and adulting wow. is something, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, um, much like Ryan, my definition has changed and I can say right now as a girl in her mid-30s, success for me looks like balance mm -hmm. where I've realized that I'm looking for something outside of work to mm -hmm. rest in. Because yeah, there was yeah. one point in my life where I was like, if mm -hmm. I were to die today, I have nothing to show for but work. Mm, so yeah. it's about balance and trying to really craft in and be present in my life when I'm not in front of 
of a microphone or a laptop. Yeah. That really means a lot to me right now. But also, you know, still staying visible yeah. and still working. It's a part of, of it. It's part but of the process. I do not subscribe to the rat race of it. Like, it's one of those things that I always say what's for me will always find me, but I know that I still have to work towards that. Yeah. But I am not about to overexert myself or you know outdo myself to try to get to certain places I just don't have it in me right yeah. now and yeah that's what success looks like for me I cannot just lay my life on the coals so to speak and yeah. then let Hollywood swallow me up I gotta keep something for myself yeah. sure I feel like you've been 15 20 what is it 15 20 years in the game yeah since 2004 like Wow, that's I was a long, in high school. That's a yeah. long time. So how it's a long time when, to be hustling? That's, that's why I tell you I'm tired. How has it changed for you? That's when Destiny's Child came out with Destiny Fulfilled. <laughs> it sure was a great time. Lose right my period. breath was 2004. Go I'm ahead. Having my timeline, you know, connects to <laughs> Destiny's Child. Uh, yeah, no, I think that it's there's definitely been d- different moments of uh, understanding what success means to me. Like I've had different thinking around that, just like each of you, in like even a shorter period of time, yeah. similar. Uh, you know, definitely there were these milestones I wanted to hit, whether it be like, OK, I need to, get, you know, get on a show or be on the red carpet and do this award show. There were like these professional moments mm-hmm. that I felt like I wanted to fulfill. Um, and then it's kind of like those moments hit and you're like, still not fulfilled. <laughs> Talk right? about it. Talk and about it. And then you're it. like, what else? And then you realize like you can get it, you cannot get it. And yet you're still unsatisfied. So then that kind of for me at a certain point made me start like looking at, okay, why am I feeling constantly unsatisfied? Because the barometer is constantly moving. Exactly, because I was always looking also at everything I was accomplishing outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, did I have really a sense of who I was, right? Did I know my worth outside of getting that validation and success or quote unquote, you know, external success? Oh my gosh, sure. And that is so, because I don't know if we talked about it, but like, um, the day, like the Monday after my birthday, I literally woke up with so much anxiety because I think after birthdays and things like that, it really brings up like, it brought up for me this anxiety of being like, well, what's next? What's happening next? Yeah. What do you need to accomplish next? And I, it was really something that messed with me for a little bit because I literally was coming off something that was really beautiful and like, that felt really great. And I, I, I always forget about that kind of like high that you get when you are coming off of yeah, a level yeah. of, of visibility that you're like, oh, wow, everyone's seeing something, praising the work you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that come down. Trust me. And I that still come go down through that. Hard. I think Isn't, staying yeah. cognizant of that yeah, is what's exactly. going to keep you afloat because it goes also within like not putting all of your eggs in one basket. That's why balance is big for me. Like I can yeah. acknowledge totally. this big opportunity, but also... A big opportunity is having dinner with friends. Like yeah, I can, I can balance things. out like that. Yeah. But also, there was a Char says so I did weeks ago that talked about something like this, where uh, statistically, Olympians who get the gold medal are more depressed yeah. than people who get the silver and bronze because you work so hard for this gold, you work so hard for this goal and the gold. You're like looking that at you it. You get like- it. It's around your yeah. neck. The ceremony's over. The lights are down. And now it's time to go to bed. And they plunge into a depression because they've done months of training and all these swimming laps and cardio. No, and it's like, or they say the middle, your actually. Ident- the now silver, that you got it. They say the silver because you didn't get the gold. But then, like, if you just got the bronze, you're like, thank God, I got in the top three. But if you're the silver, but you're no, like, the, I could have gotten the gold. The gold is, I did a Char says so on this. The gold studies show that people who got gold medals That's were so depressed, were more depressed than the so, others. Yeah. And listen, I still have definitely moments like, trust 
trust me, I'm a doer. Like, I do a lot. I, I try to accomplish a lot. I have my goals. Your but career I, over the time has been beautiful but to yeah, see. And, and I, I always, you could say reinvent. So there yeah. is still a lot of, un, like, you know, people will still be like, you're still doing a lot. You still are always like focused on doing a lot. But I must say, yeah, it's more that I have a sense of a wholeness, like hol- holistic view of my life that I didn't have when I was younger, mm-hmm. where I have other things I'm looking to accomplish Does that and come with be. Age? Yeah, I think so. And an understanding of who I was and like also now I approach what I do differently. There needs to be some flexibility. Like I want a bit more time. I don't and need I to think, rush everything. I like think, that's success to me now. Mm. And and like having time with the people I love mm-hmm. and having being able to choose cuz I could hustle and I could work on that deadline, but then on the other side of it like it's not one or the other. I think as you get older success is it not saying having it all but being able to choose how you want to do those so success things. Isn't, success shouldn't be only looked at through a, a professional lens. No, and yeah, the yeah. reason I was going to piggyback off what Shira said is when you realize like the area, the field of work that we're in is not linear. Mm-hmm. So we are not like our friends who work in accounting at, Where they can go in to be the director in the... Because I've seen examples with my own two eyes of people who are on air who have a show on a Friday and then get a call from the boss Monday morning saying that it's a job. you don't need yeah. to come Which in because is... it's over. Yeah. So when you realize yep. that people can be up on Monday and Tuesday and down on Thursday and Friday, I skipped over Wednesday, don't know why, <laughs> but maybe that's the transitional phase, but down on Thursday and Friday, you you really sit in those moments and embrace and really define success for, you, for yourself. And even the people who do appear to constantly be on top, I believe a lot of that is performance and facade because they know. Yeah. There's no way that you reach that level and you're not keenly aware and zoomed in on that this has a time limit on it. Yeah. Oprah knew it. Went like when you get that talk I, I, show. Which is also goes back to too. really what's your why and what's your purpose and things will come and go around that, but that is your foundation. Right? That's why you yeah. gotta make sure, like Ryan said, being intentional with the projects that you take on and making sure that you are getting some sort of fulfillment outside of financially from the projects that you take yeah, on. Because yeah. this stuff is fleeting and we always see conversations about don't give your all to your job yeah. because, you know, you die on a Wednesday, you replaced on Monday. And, they didn't, you know. Well, I think that's also, and we can, I, we can take this over to the next segment. All right, you know, we can have a conversation. We can do how do you define failure? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's really interesting. I have tons more to talk oh, about. I have more about failure. Okay, well, then I'll let's tell talk. you about my biggest fail. All right, up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Uh, so we've been talking about how you define success, what it means to you, but then how also do you define failure or uh, attach yourself to the failures of your life to make it into your life story, right? Because that could stop you from really seeing the success that you're having because you might not even think you're worthy of having it because of everything. I mean, listen, Hollywood's the town that'll reaffirm your unworthiness if you let it. Yeah, and and that's um, the interesting thing. I think um, my failures for me... Have um, they've I've, I've had them professionally, but I, I think the biggest failure for me has happened personally, and it was one of those things that um, shaped the kind of financial PTSD that I always experienced. Like when I first moved out here, I I thought I kind of knew everything that you, I knew about adulting, paying bills, all these things. You did for Nashville standards, literally for Nashville <laughs> standards. But when I got out here, um, it got, it was really really difficult. I felt like I was kind of like. Um, I was, I didn't know what I was doing and I couldn't call home because I didn't want to be proven wrong and all these things. And I remember I was headed to work one morning, like walking down the stairs. Yeah. And my car wasn't there. 
and my car ended up being repoed. And I remember, oh my god, it was like I was like thirty minutes. I had to get to work, and it was the first job that I had gotten. I was, I had a panic attack because I was like, oh my god, I finally got an oh. actual job, and I was about to start paying bills again. Yeah, and I literally walked down there, and I was like. How am I supposed to get to work now? How am I supposed to do this? Yeah. And literally, it was it was one of those moments where I felt like maybe this is a sign that I need to like actually mm. just listen to what my mom said and pack it, pack Aww. it up and go home. And I remember because um, I was also doing like you know I think there was a time period when I first moved out here where everyone was trying to do YouTube and stuff. And I, there's a video that I have on like an old laptop of like me kind of like was like vlogging like mm-hmm. life and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a video that I uh, that I have, but I haven't watched it ever like again because it was I was literally like in a place that was like. I didn't. Even, I don't even. I wouldn't recognize recognize myself because it was a state of like just failure on my end, and I I, I was really being mean, like mean to myself mm. in a way that I yeah. I never experienced. And so like for me like that moment seriously changed because I literally was able to pay off that car mm-hmm. like maybe like a like a month ago. I was able because I was still wow. I was yeah. still paying on my that yeah. car and then my car note because I had it, it sold when the car got repossessed it sold at an auction yeah. but I still had a huge amount that I had to pay really? and I was able Which to like so fin- just cancel me out if you gonna take it <laughs> yeah I was keep... able to like finally pay it off That's and like wild. that was a moment where like at least your videos are on an old laptop mine are still up on YouTube for the <laughs> entire world if you want to go look at a twenty five year old shark me too do some dig uh, me some, too some I don't know dig- if I'll ever like you can hear my my on. I had like a chipmunk voice me too. Isn't that interesting? I mean, and then it gets lower. Yours is probably you. 10 times more chipmunky than me. But um, for me, failure, I don't really, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned success on a professional level, but failure on a personal level. Mm, That's yeah. interesting. Because for me, failure is on the professional side as well. There are times that I've gotten into my head, or I oh, think yeah. now it's been. And now that I've been able to shift gaze and realize that failure is subjective and it, it's also with how you deal with it and how you recover, that I've been able to really kind of leverage things off. I've been fired one time and twice in L.A. And firings, I don't know if it's just the Capricorn in me, but being fired yeah. crumbles me. Oh, yeah, it really, yeah. it just, ugh. And I even hate the word, like, you know, just say terminated. Well, it's like, literally, you, I mean, it's failure. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah. Being fired is failure. Fail. So I've, yeah, I've fired. been, I've been yeah. fired and I try to roll with it. I find empowerment in other, you know, spicy women behind the mic who've been fired, like a Joy Behar mm. or a Wendy Williams. Yeah. Who, you know, even though Wendy was only unemployed, fun fact, for two weeks. She had a 30-year radio career and she was only oh, unemployed for two weeks in the entire 30-year span of her is, radio there, There's career. so many reasons why you could be fired. One, could be you messed up but then there's Budget also cuts. but like also the internal politics someone doesn't like you it's like there's well, so much you know, stuff it's, that it's, you can't control it's one thing that I grapple with now as a 34 year old who's about to be 35 in like five months you all know I don't run from my age but like <laughs> I've never had a salaried position ever in my entire life I have the formal education I have the experience I didn't until I was I here I have never had a contract extended I got the professional record and resume and reputation to support the campaign, but no one's ever been like, sweetie, sign this contract. We don't want to lose you. And so that's something that I've been having to grapple mm. with, but I also have appreciated my flexibility because I'm able to try new fun things. Totally. Sometimes there's more money. What I would have made in one area 
in a month, I'm getting it in in two hours. Exactly. Here in this, yeah. so so I've I've like I said, I've been able to reframe and restructure some of my ideas around failure because yeah. for a long time that really did bother me. When I look to my left and my right, and my contemporaries are inking mm. contracts left and right, I'm like, what the hell is it about me? Mm. When I have these things on paper and in person that say otherwise, and mm. I have people in my ear that say otherwise, and so it, it, the fact that I don't have a contract does not match or align with any of the feedback that I've ever gotten. Yeah. And so that used, like I said, that used to really bother me. Not so much anymore. Because I know, you know, it'll come in due time. And when it comes, I'm clinging to the, be- to the belief that it'll be the contract to knock my socks off. Exactly. Like, oh, you've been waiting all this time and now, now shut up. I feel like I'll be like, here, damn. Yeah. You know? Yeah, instead so, of what, you just getting a contract that you, for a job you Just make. to say that I, well, not even necessarily that I hate, but just to kind of satisfy oh. that ego. You know, satisfy my ego and say that, oh, I have a contract. I think that it'll be a, a contract that I that'll make sense in the book. Exactly. It always <laughs> makes sense in hindsight, book. right? Yes, yes. It, it does, does make sense it sometimes. Does. So if you can kind of like feel into that because a lot of times if you think about life, you always say, Oh, that made sense. Well, just think about as things are happening literally tell yourself like it will make sense and you just have to trust but yet it's sometimes hard to cling to still, that still still feel it still feel what it feels I ain't got a man either yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> one thing at a time Char one know, thing at a time y'all will fix my life there's Listen, the baby steps uh, for me <laughs> steps. how do you define you just google Shira? you can google Shira fired and you'll see my <laughs> Do we have time I for sure? We have a little time. No, no. We can't do it's it. No, all it is, is that... We laid I've ours had, out. You laid yours I've, out. I've had a picture of everything, too. Listen, failed relationships, uh, ones that I self-sabotaged, or it wasn't the right thing, but yet I made it... I tried to make it work because yeah. I loved being, you know, in a relationship because I was obviously had fear of being alone, and uh, I, I wanted that male attention and validation. Mm. And then, similarly, it's like I've had, quote-unquote, from many people's perception... and a very illustrious career. A lot of people looked up to my yeah. career. No, seriously. But yet, in my you mind, quite the it still felt like I didn't, you know, at different points, like I wasn't getting what I wanted or what I envisioned, which goes back to sometimes it is about getting specific, but sometimes it's about feeling into like, you know, what's your purpose? What's your why? What do you, how do you want to feel? Where do you want to be? And that might show up in different ways than you thought. Yeah. And so I know, like, Ooh. and it's okay to still figure that out. And it's okay to still figure that out, right? Exactly. And, and then I you might look back lyric. and say, maybe I don't really want that anymore. Yeah, right? we're constantly that, changing and evolving exactly. as, as human beings. And that's part of the beauty and also part of the scariness of this lived experience. Yeah. Because who I am at 34 is not remotely close to who I was at 24, aside from some of my interests still aligning. So but here's totally the thing. And all, all my quote unquote fails have become. You know, great stories. No, you know, it's like no one necessarily always just wants to listen to the success story. They want to hear. Well, that's you being disingenuous. Everybody yeah, they, has success. Well, yeah, fairness. but everyone, but like people want to hear about like, but when you were on the floor, because that's know, what's relatable. How did you get out of that? That's what's relatable, right? But that also is what creates grit. That's what creates resilience. You know, it makes you actually Mm-mm, who I you want are. A soft life. Mm-mm. But then wait, but then you go <laughs> to the other side of that after you come out of that and you say, I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm happy. I get have all these lessons. I'm I'm a different slash better person. And yet now, I welcome ease and flow. It doesn't That's need to be I hard. Want. Yeah, if those hard traumas haven't made you resent everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the other challenge. That's the other beautiful thing to to get through and learn. Because then you're not going to get what you want and you're if you're coming from a place of resentment and anger. 
frustration. This might be one That's of my favorite conversations we've had today. This was great. Anyway, well, uh, yeah, let us know what you thought. L- LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Next up, how old is too old to kiss your parents on the lips <gasps> after this? <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, well, how old is too old to kiss your parents on the lips? Uh, this is a question that keeps coming up. Three. I think, yeah, it, it came up, um, you know, with celebrities like Hilary Duff, David Beckham, Gabrielle Union, Tom Brady. There, there was uh, videos or pictures of them, you know, kissing their kids on the lips. And I think that it's also a cultural thing. I think that there's some certain cultures where people are just kissing on the lips and it's just a, to show admiration Yeah, we hypersexualize everything yeah. as, as Americans because, you know, overseas they show breasts on TV. We would never get away with that. Yeah. You know, like on your Channel 7, yeah. on Scandalous, Yeah, I Kerry mean, that, actually, that's so interesting. When I was in, uh, when I was in Israel and we were um, at a like, resort by the Dead Sea, mm-hmm. I mean, there was like babies and like people were like kind of like just new, like new, yeah. like, new well, adults and babies. One of my I was friends, like, whoa, one of my what's going on? went to a coast in, in France and she was saying that men have to wear speedos. You you don't wear swim trunks and all that. of the kids were nude. Yeah, all the kids are like, nude. If you're like nude. seven, eight years old, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, uh, according to a doctor, we're going to tell you what a doctor has to say. Before we we do that, this whole conversation reminded us of a little stand-up special that Nikki Glaser did recently. Ooh, on HBO Max, yeah. if you all can sit through it, because I didn't last, yeah, but take a shared. listen. Only because I kissed my dad on the lips till I was like 24 and... It was just a thing we did in my family, you know? Like, deny alcoholism. Like, we just like, act like everything's fine. And um, I remember the day I put an end to it. I had just been, like, smooching all day long with my boyfriend, not to brag or whatever, but I was just, like, really going hard with a guy. And um, I went to go meet my parents for dinner, and I greeted my dad, and just, like, we went in, and I kissed him on the lips, and it's uh, the wires just got crossed. Like, they just... I lingered a second too long, and it was just, and I stopped immediately. Like, I let go of his lip. I was biting it, but I was like, Dad, I can't kiss you anymore. Woo! That is so gross. Uh, What a mess. Can you imagine? I just just don't know if that, if I'm being honest, you know, I I, I feel like I'm often the one that does it, but, like, I just don't know if black people be kissing on the lips like that, like black families. No, no. Like, I don't. Regardless be weird. of culture, when I think Caribbean, when I think African, yeah. it's not it's something not that thing. we do. It's not a thing. We also don't kiss our pets in the mouth, though. Oh, so. well, that's not, that's oh. not true. I, I love no. I've k- kissed k- my dog's nose. Yeah, I'll kiss Coco's no, nose. You, I let like Coco's kiss me. But I'm not oh, having yeah. a makeout I'm, session with, with my no, dog. So you can give I let me, her kiss me. Her breast stinks. So you can oh. give me pimples. When I had COVID and I didn't have my smell, it was kind of the best time for her to give me Coco's all the kisses. Coco's breath is on 10. It's very beefy It's so bad. It's like I've been trying to work on it, but it's a dog. She's a dog. I know. Her gut. She's actually a throw pillow. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it's so funny because I don't obviously. I, I I'll do. I'm in Montreal. Kiss double kiss. We kiss kiss. Cultural. Um, but then sometimes once in a blue moon by mistake, like you're like, oh bye, and then you're like, like I've gotten close by mistake, and, and like me and my dad are like, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you. I mean, you, know you, I mean? you like, talked about like y'all used to take showers and stuff together, right? When I was, when you were babies. When I was a baby. Yeah, yeah. Thank like, you for the clarification. <laughs> when you were baby. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. My parents divorced. Say, my, now, what type so of my, show y'all my, got me on? When I was three, my parents got divorced, and so my dad was a single dad. So like, when he was with me, and I needed to take a shower, how else? Or like, so we would go yeah. and shower together, and then it happened once, and then there was like a tugging. Wait, a why tugging. did he just yeah, bathe she you? Tugged on something she wasn't I don't supposed know because I think he was he was living at my aunt's basement at the time. There wasn't a bath. And also, I feel like. 
it makes sense for a dad to be like, all right, let's consolidate this. Exactly. Let's just like, get this over with. But see, <laughs> even culturally, I don't see I see yeah, moms doing that. That's true. I don't. Well, you don't know if like if a single dad is doing so you don't know that, but maybe. But see, the way I've been socialized, I would think something nefarious. At God any forgive rate, me. At any, well, yeah, I would. Now I, I would. Yeah. Sorry. At any rate, here uh, what a doctor, a behavior analyst. Uh, Dr. Rena B. Patel on Refinery29 says she doesn't recommend parents kiss their kids on the lips at any age because it becomes a blurred line. She said, like Nikki just yes, said. it's cute when they're little, but then how do we create and teach personal boundaries and personal space? Where do they draw the line? It's not an easy thing to teach. If we're doing it because of love and affection, we're showing that we care about someone. Who are we to tell a child that you can't care about one person versus That's the other? That's how I feel about when it's a very uh, great celebrities. Area. What's the girl from Clueless when she was talking about her, her son? Oh, Alicia still, Silverstone. Yeah, her son still sleeps, sleeps in, the in the bed with her. Yeah. I'm like, girl, you need to quit that. That's a storyline in Uncoupled. It's like. If you keep watching. Oh, is it? On Netflix, oh. Neil Patrick Harris and Tisha Campbell. But uh, yeah, th- that goes along the same lines as that as far as like, I remember I could sleep in my parents' bed. Like I would try to sneak in there if I had a nightmare. But when I would like creep in, it's so funny because my mom did create the illusion that I was moving her over but she was still asleep she knew it was me and would slide over I never felt compelled to hop in the middle I just wanted to be by my mom which I don't know what that says about our family dynamics but (laughs) I just want to there's something about moms like I feel like moms kissing their kids on the lips is different for some reason. Well, yeah, but in my family, but. we never we never kissed on the lips. I can think about my mom saying, like, jokingly, like, girl, you got too much lip gloss on. And, like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, giving a yeah. little peck yeah, to take yeah. some lip gloss yeah. off. But, yeah, I think... What about your grandparents? Like, I think I most more no. kiss my grandparents on the lips. Like, No, I never did no. that. My gran- granny just kisses me on my forehead. Yeah, it's it's more endearing. But what my I will say is... My kisses me on my forehead, too. To answer... Ooh, forehead kisses are dangerous when we get to the romantical era. But, uh, <laughs> because I think about how I'm trying triggered by someone who was playing games with me who gave me forehead kisses. But what I will say is I think as far as me and my household, now I don't have children. I don't even have a man. I don't even have a dog. I don't even have Coco. (laughs) Three years old maximum. Yeah, I agree with that. When did they realize that... you know, I guess certain. Well, you things. don't make it a bad thing. No, you just it stops, and that's even if it starts. Honestly, I don't see a need to. I think they're still too young. Cheek. I think like five seconds. I feel like I feel like once they start getting into like from kid into uh, like puberty. If, I, no. I kind of, I if you're feel, a kid still, you can do. Kids like, be putting their mouth on all different, yeah. and so do adults. Mm-mm, and no. I feel like if, at five, you're allowed to talk. I just I don't know. <laughs> right, right. I just don't know what that. There's means. also kids with backwash. You yeah. know, they don't fully chew their food. No. But it's your kid. Sure, I think no. you, you let your the, kid do anything. I draw the line. We'll see. We'll see this in 10, I, 20 years. What I will say is the older right. that they get, the more difficult it becomes to explain why we have to stop this behavior. Oh, yeah. So when they're younger, agree. you can do it and not have any shame. When they're 14, telling well, them, no, hey, not... we can't kiss on the lips anymore. I think any double digit. All right, double digit. Okay. Uh, even Next when they're up. eight, they're Next nine. Up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (laughs) 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.